morning. I want to welcome you to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. And our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. My name is Amos Williams. I'm on staff here at the church, and I'm so excited to see all of you this morning. I want to welcome our guests uh, who are here uh, in the house, and also welcome our guests uh, joining us via the live stream. I just stand to give you a couple of announcements, and there are none. <laughs> so uh, we've got a couple of housekeeping things that we do always like to uh, cover. Uh, you can give to the vision and mission of the Village Church uh, by logging on to the church website, which is enterthevillage.net forward slash give. You can uh, mail a check to our uh, physical address, which is 2103. Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or if you're here live and in color, uh, you can drop off your monies or check uh, in the offering plate at the back of the sanctuary. Um, Also, um, please be sure to follow us on our various uh, social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram as well. So those announcements as always please govern yourselves accordingly let's uh go to our lord in a prayer of preparation asking to bless our time together today father in heaven we thank you god we thank you just for new mercies your word tells us that your mercies are new every morning and lord i can rejoice that this morning when my eyes opened, uh, the four corners of my room weren't uh, the four corners of a coffin. And Lord, I I thank you for for just another opportunity uh, to gather uh, with your saints, with your your blood-bought people as we glorify and worship you. Lord, I pray that uh, today you would uh, center our hearts and minds on the finished work that is been completed on our behalf, Lord Jesus. You you lived a perfectly sinless uh, life, and uh, you died on on the cross and and, re- and rose from the from the from the dead for your church, Lord, for your people. And so, God, we thank you for that. And currently, you, you uh, sit at the right hand of Majesty, making intercession for us. So, Lord, center our hearts and minds on that finished work, because Lord, if you can resurrect from the dead, there is nothing that you can't do and so lord we've brought our worries our cares our celebrations uh, we've brought them all here today so lord we want to be able to rejoice with those who rejoice want to weep and mourn with those who weep and mourn and let us be able to do that in this atmosphere on today in this gathering in spirit we ask that uh, you would move in a special way uh, that you would begin the work of regeneration in the hearts and the lives of those who do not yet know you, but also that you would continue working faith and repentance in the lives of your people. So Lord, we thank you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. It is in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen. Good morning. 
This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. If you would please stand with us for our call to worship. Thank you. Amos already said this, but thank you for joining us with us this morning. Our call to worship is taken from the song, Holy is the Lamb. Please join with me where it reads congregation and together. Holy, 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 holy. Holy is the Lamb. Holy is the Lamb. Precious is he, strong and mighty. Holy is the Lamb. Holy is the Lamb. Oh, come and bow before him. Love and adore him. Sing praises unto him, for he's worthy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy is the Lamb. Holy is the Lamb. Amen. Please bow for a word of prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we have come into this place to um, just acknowledge your greatness, acknowledge that you are the sovereign one, the maker of all things, the one who is in control of it all the most high God and you are worthy of all of our praise in fact you created us to do just that even though we have amnesia sometimes and forget our um, our design right but that's what we were created to do to say holy is the lamb to look around and experience creation and be in awe of you and so we again we just come into this time to just take a few moments to declare your praises to say yes father you are great and we thank you we thank you that you don't haphazardly do anything we thank you that you had a plan for each one of us you predestined us before the foundation of this world and that is one of my favorite verses it's, that concept has been a favorite of mine from a young as a young person but at this point of my life I cling to that so that means you thought of me you had a plan for me you have a plan for me you order my steps our steps as a congregation and we are not here haphazardly. We are here for a purpose, according to your plan, before the foundation of this earth. And part of that plan included creating a way out of no way for your enemies. And we thank you. We praise you for that. Giving us a path out of sin and out of darkness through your son Jesus, through whom all things are held together, through whom at the, at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Christ, that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. We do that today. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, 
who was and is and is to come. Honor and thanks to you who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever and ever. And we can rest in these things. I thank you for your word, God, that you had enough enough foresight to know that we needed some documentation. We needed to we needed some promises. We needed a guidebook. We would need something to cling to because there's so many things in this world that distract us from seeing you. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So we love you, and we praise you. And I pray, I know this is a prayer of praise, but this is my supplication, that we will be a congregation who will seek you first your kingdom and your righteousness that we won't worry about all the things i'm guilty of that lord help us to seek you help us be a praying church help us be people that are willing to cast our cares at your feet knowing with all confidence that you care for us that you had a plan for us help us be people that are willing whether it is in song or in word to say Holy, 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 holy is the Lamb who was, who is, and is to come. Help us be people that will be willing to declare the glory of your name. And God, in those moments when we feel a little shaky, because that happens too, help us to stop and say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief today. So, Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for the lamb that was slain, and we thank you for the spirit that rests, rules, and abides within us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please be seated. Now we'll have a confession of sin and silent meditation. Our confession of sin this morning is from James 4, verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I'll read that again. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So let's just take a few moments of silent meditation to meditate on that word, to cast our cares at the feet of Jesus. Hear this assurance of pardon from 1 John 2.12. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, 
having forgiven us all our trespasses. Amen. Amen. Thank you. The text on which our sermon today is based is Matthew 13, verses 1 through 23. This is God's word. Please listen carefully. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun arose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who, he who has ears, let him, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has for to the one who has more, more will be given, and he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says you will indeed hear but never understand and you will indeed see but never perceive for this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear for truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands and understands it. 
he indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. All right, today uh, we have the privilege of uh, having our, our dear brother uh, Lyle Lee come to speak with us about some exciting things that are happening uh, in our body. Uh, so let's uh, let's hear from Brother Lyle Lee on this morning. Uh, good morning, or maybe not. Is it a good morning? Has God been good to you? All right, all right. Uh, well, you all look beautiful, uh, so that's a good thing. And uh, as a great representation of the diversity of Christ and his body, uh, I'm excited to uh, give you all an update on our conversation when it comes to youth ministry. Uh, once again, I'm really grateful uh, for the leadership here and the parents that are uh, supporting us moving forward with our uh, goals to start our youth ministry back up, uh, at least in a more formal um, uh, and organized system. Um, Again, I I saw a need for this, um, not just myself, but the leadership heard some of the requests and the voices of, of, of us here at the church. And many of you all know, I came here in, uh, to Huntsville in 2011, and part of my role was uh, the director of the youth ministries here up until completing seminary. After that time period, I wrestled with um, some of the uh, things that were going on with the youth, maybe some of the uh, lack of things, and I once again approached Alex. This was... Uh, last year, in mid end of last year, after I had taught uh, youth ministries at the um, Bible College, and I felt that that was one of God's ways of confirming what He had been tugging on my heart since that was two years after I had completed seminary and left. Uh, I did not think about it at all the first year after I left. I did not. I told Alex, I said, "I'm, I'm finna, I'm finna get away." Uh, since I was a youth. Seriously, since I was a youth, I was obligated to go to church. Um, I lived within walking distance of my church in Mississippi, and so I was oftentimes the one after around the age of 10 that was have to, would have to be the first one there to unlock it, uh, turn the heaters on or the air on, and I would be there Monday through Sunday minus one. So five to six days a week I was in church. And so I then came here and was obligated because of work, so I didn't feel bad at all for not participating much uh, for the year. And then uh, we're in the place right now, Dolores and I, where I don't have to work as much as I was working. Uh, many of you all know I was having to um, do four or five uh, W-2s and I-9s and W-4s and all that every year. Uh, I'm just not in that place anymore. I'm able to relax with my family and now be able to serve the church more because we are financially um, stable enough to do that. So uh, I wanted to offer up, once again, my experience. Uh, maybe some of you all would call it talents and uh, knowledge when it comes to youth ministry and propose um, for the youth grades 5th 
uh, and up, so fifth grade and up, that we will do what we talked about in our meeting. I don't know how many of you all attended, whether in person or live, uh, but the goal is during the school semesters, as long as school is in session, we are asking the church for four out of the nine weeks per, so out of a quarter, we ask for four weeks. And that's really just four Sundays, four hours a quarter. So for every nine weeks, we're asking for four hours, one hour a Sunday after church. You don't have to get up any earlier. Um, we're basically providing lunch uh, and, and, and interacting with the students during that time. Uh, there may be a few exceptions every now and then, and I'll talk more about that <clears throat> in a moment. Uh, so that means that this is going to be the only quarter this school year that we're doing it, and it's going to be a foundational quarter. So four weeks starting April 25th, so the last Sunday of this month. Not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, and that's going to lead up to the third uh, Sunday in May. Again, the goal is to do all these things only during school time. So that means during the summer, we're not asking for uh, any hours uh, or commitments from the parents or the youth. We know that that's a great time to relax, have family time. And that's part of our goal here with the youth ministry now is to support the families as it comes to raising their child or children up in the Lord. And that's why if you guys have spring break, or for some reason we schedule something during the time that you planned a family game night or something, we're not going to be upset that your child does not attend that Sunday. Or we won't have hurt feelings or any type of negative emotion because that's what we want. Ultimately, it's for the responsibility to fall on the family and the parents when it comes to interacting with your children and growing them up in the Lord. But we are walking alongside you all in that. The... Uh, Goal is changing, and that, again, the goal is to put it back on the family. Again, for me, the goal is for somebody to come and say, I want to take over and do it. Uh, and so feel free to do that at any point uh, during when that happens. But I've committed uh, to Alex and to the leadership to do this, um, and I feel, I feel good about my availability um, outside of uh, seminary and my main uh, ministry at Lincoln Village Ministries. Uh, <clears throat> The goal is changing, but we're still emphasizing the same thing. The mission and vision of the youth ministry is going to be the same as the Village Church, and that is uh, the vision, broken people coming together to embrace and extend Christ's love. And the mission is going to be the same as the church, to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus in all things we do. It's going to be carried out in primarily four ways or in four emphasis. Um, this, uh, discipleship which where we will focus on the relations with adults in church and its youth leaders. That's not really going to happen much this these four Sundays because this is a foundational time for us. It will primarily be number two and three, which is education, that is the knowledge of God's word, and church membership, and that's simply understanding the need to be part of uh, the body of Christ. And so those are going to be the primary focus uh, during these times but when I say that's the primary focus, I'm not saying we're sitting down, holding hands, singing kumbaya. Well, we won't be holding hands because of uh, health restrictions and things like that. But we're not, we're not just sitting here reading the Bible, me throwing out seminary 
professor, you know, lectures on them. Uh, it's going to be a lot of games. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of food uh, during these first four uh, meetings. And then afterwards, uh, we will have moments where it will be organized, structured le- learning and teaching. But again, uh, we have number four, service. And so some of that is going to be practical services for the church and the community. Uh, and, and a lot of that's going to be primarily here at the church, especially with uh, some people still having COVID concerns. And I understand that. And so let me let me finish with addressing the COVID concerns, of if any have those. If you have any concerns about uh, maybe where we get our food from or who is cooking the food, maybe I may grill uh, some here at the church. Uh, they haven't given me a budget, but I'm just going to do it and then make them pay me back. So uh, we're not we're talking about, you know, some good food here. So uh, uh, but if you have concerns about that, then I, I will feel completely comfortable and understanding to that and ask you to let either let me know what we can do to ease those concerns, whether that's buying prepackaged meals such as uh, Lunchables, which is what Lincoln Village does uh, and things like that with our kids and uh other things, um, but if you're okay with those other things, such as buying Domino's pizza or me cooking on the grill, uh, I'm fully vaccinated, um, then I will uh, probably go towards that route as well. Uh, secondly, if you don't feel comfortable with the measures we're going to take, we're going to follow uh, whatever the church rules are for us when it comes to um, the COVID-19 concerns and, and, um, and measures, and they're following wisdom and health uh, health advice. We have a lot of great doctors here that can consult us in those things. I know some people are still wrestling with mask or no mask, six feet, three feet, um, things like that. We're going to follow whatever the church leadership tells us, and depending on whether that can be outside or inside. But listen, if the church says three feet and you want six feet, let me know. And your child will be six feet from everyone else. Um, we, we're still doing six feet at Lincoln Village Ministry and, and at the academy. Um, and, and so anyway, that, that's my attempt to address the COVID-19 concerns that may be out there. Ultimately, we're excited about this starting up. Um, we're excited about this foundational time with these next four Sundays. It's after church. This is a great time for the parents of those children uh, to get together, have lunch, without having to pay for your child's lunch. I know how it can be when you're trying to go out to lunch at the church and it goes from just one or two adults to 18 kids, right? Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of uh, quivers in our, uh, anyway, a lot of bows in our quivers here at the church. So, uh, so anyway, so that's that. <clears throat> well, I'm going to, I'm going to offer up a prayer for the youth leadership, not for uh, what's on the, on the, on the uh, agenda. But this is my time for, to pray for the youth. Uh, here's, what I, here's what I'm going to honestly say. This is me honestly speaking from my heart here. All right. I, Alex knows I have a lot on my plate, and there's a lot of ways I can be pulled um, when it comes to serving God's kingdom. I'm asking uh, and offering myself to do this. This is not, they're not paying me. Uh, you know, my reward is going to be uh, your children growing closer to you and to God, okay? Uh, and so it is going to be my personal, this is from my heart. Alex didn't tell me to say this. It's not scripted, but this is me saying, listen, 
if this is something you really want to happen, please support it. Um, if you have children that's not in this age range, they will be in a year or two. Support it. Find ways to, to support it and encourage those that may volunteer and the children that you do have in that age group so that this doesn't phase out. Uh, we don't want this to be a fad for this, this semester and, and then next semester. And so, again, I could be doing a lot of things. I want to know um, that you guys are going to support this. And the best way you can support it is by showing up. And I get it. Again, if you have genuine concerns, then we will have virtual options as well. Um, but this is a great way for your children not to just know faces of their peers, but to actually know their names and their uh, the things that they enjoy doing and their skill sets. And your children are going to be put to, to use here in the church during this time, whether that's painting if someone likes to paint, reading if someone likes to read, if somebody likes to do graphic design. So please, please, please consider uh, supporting this fifth grade and up. Uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, your heart and your passion towards children. Um, oftentimes they were used as an example of how we as the adults should behave and how we should believe and, and the faith that we should have. Father, we ask that you will uh, let us not see children as insignificant or uh, uh, just one more, one more thing to get to on our agenda, but let us see them as equally important in the body of Christ. Uh, let us see them as equally, uh, equally uh, capable of serving your kingdom and equally capable of placing their faith in Christ Jesus. It is from my youth that I have trusted in you and have faith, and I pray that you will show that grace and favor to the children here at the Village Church. Thank you for all those that are going to support it. Thank you for all those that have the heart for your children and your people. Uh, these and many other requests and prayers we have, and we ask that you will smile upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thank you, Brother Lau. Thank you so much for coming back to serve us. I'm looking forward to this new phase of our uh, youth ministry under Lau's leadership. Um, you know, many, some of you may don't know this, some of you may not, but, you know, we at the Village Church, we, our philosophy of youth ministry is not to have our youth off by themselves in our own little world. Um, I know some youth ministries are built that way, but if you if you think about it, if the kids are always by themselves for nursery, children's church, youth, you should not be surprised when they go off to college and don't be part of a church. They never was. They were always by themselves. And so, as parents, if you you need your kid, we want our kids to know what it means to be part of a body. And so, when they leave and go off to college. They, they, when they're looking for a church, they know how to serve. They know how to be part of it. So that is our philosophy here, is that we want all the kids. And none of the kids are looking at me. Like, look at Pastor Alex. It's my prayer for each of you that when you leave here, you will know what it means to be part of a body of Christ. And that when you go off to college, that's what you'd be searching for, a church that you can be a part of. Please join me in a word of prayer supplication. Father, when worship becomes work, something is wrong with our hearts. 
when worship becomes a performance and productivity, we have made an idol out of the liturgy of the service, out of the preaching and out of the songs. When worship becomes boring, we have lost our ardor. We don't gather here just for the sake of checking the box. Now, some people may do that because we do live in the Bible Belt. But, Lord, we gather here for one purpose, and that is to worship the one true God and King. No other people on the face of this earth has the privilege to do what we do each week, and yet many of us take it for granted. No other group of people. We get to come and worship the one true God, Yahweh Elohim. That is a privilege. We get to do that without fear of your judgment, without, without fear of you uh, forsaking us, without fear of you being silent. We get to do that under your smile, under your warm embrace. So worship should give us freedom of expression. If you want to shout, shout. Want to raise your hands? Raise your hands. Because you're standing before your God and King. You're standing before the Father who loves you, who accepts you, who likes you, who enjoys you, who sees the depths of your heart and still loves you the same. You stand before Him fully accepted. You don't have to come here and pretend. You can come here and be real. come here and be real. You can come here and take off the mask. You can come here and stop faking it. You can come here and just say, Lord, here I am, broken and messed up. I'm here. Fix me, Jesus. Help us, Spirit. Kill in us the, the, the ways in which we have made worship into a, a consumer mentality. Kill that thing. How we have made it entertainment. Kill it. How we have made it just something that, that culturally we do. This is countercultural. What we do. And renew in us a, a reverence for you, a reverence for, for corporate worship. You do that. We cannot do it in ourselves. Forgive us for what we have made it. We have taken something good and made it bad because of the ways in which we use it. Humble us. Hear this prayer. And I pray for the preaching of the word that as it goes forth, that it will go forth in my own mind and in my own soul first because I need grace. I need Jesus. I need him. So, Holy Spirit, you are the counselor. You are the helper. You are our advocate. You are the deposit that guarantees the inheritance of, of God's people. And you have a role here. And I'm praying for you to fulfill that role this morning. Let each of us hear what we need to hear. You see us. You see our thoughts. You see our minds. You see what keeps us up at night. You see the weeks that we've, you, we've had. You're not silent. You see you're living in us, so you know. 
And so, Spirit, let each of us hear what we need to hear. And that you would do a great and mighty work in us, beginning with me. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Jesus Christ is the way. Not one of many ways. He's the only way. Now, some would definitely disagree with that statement, but it's true. Jesus is the promised way, the the long-anticipated way, the fulfillment way. He is the gracious and loving way, the priestly way, the prophetic way, the kingly way, the suffering way, the resurrection way. He's the redemptive way, the merciful way, the justice way, the restoration way, the wholeness way, the forgiveness way, the flourishing way. But do y'all hear and see? Understand and believe. Where are you? Where are you? If you have your Bible or your smartphone, you know, turn it to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to work our way through the verses that that Brother Amos just read for us this morning. And the title of this sermon is, is Parables of the Way, Part 1. Parables of the Way, Part one and parables of the way are parables of Christ. They're his parables. And a parable is a simple story, simile or metaphor used to illustrate a moral or spiritual teaching. And the classic definition of a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The term literally literally means to throw alongside. Of. That's what the term means. You see, Jesus throws parables alongside of his teaching to the crowds of people throughout his earthly ministry. And one of those occasions of him doing this is right here in, in Matthew chapter 13. And it goes down this way, saints. After Jesus finished, finishes teaching, finishes a teaching session, he and his 12 disciples, they decide to walk down to the beach on the northern edge of the Lake of Galilee for some needed R&R, that is, rest and relaxation. That is, rest and relaxation. So the text tells us that Jesus sits down beside the sea on the beach. He has a seat. And the plan is really to chill. Can you, can you picture it? No, Jesus is just chilling. Some quiet moments, some peace of mind. He's taking a break from the crowd. He's taking a time out from going back and forth with the disciples. Because if you listen to the other sermons that we've been preaching, he's been going at it with the, with the Pharisees. He's been going at it with the crowds. He's been teaching. So this moment on the beach, it's going to be some quiet time. Jesus needs a break too, okay? He is human, and he's God, but he does get tired. So he sits down for a little break, and y'all can relate to that, can't you? When you've been working hard and teaching or whatever you're doing, parenting, sometimes you need a break. Sometimes you sit down, but the quiet moment on the beach doesn't last long for Jesus. Doesn't last long. The guy time is interrupted for a great crowd makes their way to the beach and they begin to gather around Jesus. And so Jesus, he he stands up and and wipes the the sand off of his clothes and and it says he gets into a boat and sit down. And the crowd people, they continue to stand on the beach, I guess waiting to see 
what Jesus is going to do. And Jesus decides to speak to them many things in parables. He tells a parable about a farmer who goes out to sow seed. Look at verse 3. He says to the crowd, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. Immediately they sprung up. Since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they didn't have no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Do you hear? Do y'all, do y'all ever wonder why he speaks to the people in parables? Have you ever asked yourself that question? But the original disciples wonder why. They, they have the same question. They, they're, they're curious about Jesus' teaching method. So the disciples walk up to Jesus while he's on the boat, after he tells his parable, and they ask him a question in private. This is a private conversation that he and his disciples are going to have here in Matthew 13. And their interaction, the way Matthew has it set up, their interaction is away from a crowd who is standing on the beach. And so they come to Jesus and they, as they say, why do you speak to them in parables? What's the deal? We're puzzled. We want to know. Tell us, please. He begins his answer by making a distinction between the disciples who have received him and the people who have not. People who are partial. People who are on the fence. He says to them, he answers them, because to you, meaning the disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But for them, it has not been given. Do you see the distinction? Do you see the difference? Notice these words are passive. It has been given. That's important. Why is it important? The disciples themselves are not the reason why they know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And because they're smart, and because they got education, and because of oh, anything in them, it's, be, it's not because of their goodness, their morality, their righteousness, their merit. And the same is true for the, for the people who don't know these secrets. They don't, the reason they don't know, it has nothing to do with them. The knowing hasn't been revealed to them. You see, something bigger is at work. Someone greater is moving. You see, both of these passive statements are divine passives, which assume God is the acting subject. All right, okay, thank you, thank you. God is the reason why the disciples know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. He is the reason why the crowd of people don't know. Yahweh Elohim. This is big God theology here. He gives and he doesn't give. Okay. He reveals and he doesn't reveal. He chooses and he doesn't choose. Now, if that upsets you, then you need to go do business with him. I'm just a messenger. It's his free, sovereign choice. His election. 
his gift of grace. The disciples are disciples of Jesus because of this gift, because of this gift of grace. It's a, it's a gracious gift that allows them to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Again, these disciples have not, didn't go to seminary. <laughs> they're, they're not part of the religious system. They're not a high priest. They're not part of the Sanhedrin. They're not teachers in the synagogue. These are fishermen. These are ordinary men. And yet Jesus is saying the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been revealed to them. This is supernatural. God doing. Big God theology. And these secrets refer to the meaning of Jesus' teaching about the kingdom. It's the spiritual truth about the kingdom he preaches and teaches throughout his earthly ministry. The disciples understand this. They have a front row seat to the preaching and teaching of Christ. They are in a position of privilege because of this gift of grace. Not because of them, but because of Jesus. Because of what God is doing. They have been given a blessed, they have been blessed with spiritual insight and understanding by God. These men are experiencing something that the, none of the Old Testament saints did. The Old Testament saints, they longed and hoped to see and hear what they have. And Christ makes that clear in verses 16 and 17. He speaks to them a beatitude. He says, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to y'all, Many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see, to hear what you hear and do and did not do. They're in a position of privilege because of Jesus. They see and they hear because of what God has done in them. But there's a nuance here. Because if you, as you read throughout the Gospels and as, and as we work out, continue to work our way through Matthew, we're going to see that they, didn't, they, they don't fully understand the blessing yet. They don't. We're going to see examples of that, especially in Peter's life. See, they don't fully understand it yet. Do you know why they don't fully understand it yet? Why don't they fully understand it yet? The helper has not come. You see, the Spirit isn't here yet. So their, their understanding of the truth that Jesus is teaching uh, is it, it, partial, but their commitment to Jesus isn't. Their commitment to Jesus is real, where at least for 11 of them it's real, as we know one of them is a devil. So they do submit to Christ. They, they follow him. They, they receive his ministry of word and deed. What about you? What about your commitment to Jesus? Are you fully committed to him? Are you partial to him? Or are you simply on the fence? One foot in the door, another foot out. Jesus isn't having any of that. The father doesn't want part-time sons and part-time daughters because he's not a part-time dad. Okay? He doesn't want, he doesn't desire one day a week saints. Saints on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, Oh, you're something else. You're either all in or you're out when it comes to Jesus. 
in, in, in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 6, after he Jesus feeds the 4,000, he says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And in the Greek, that means no one. In the Greek, that means the Father draws him. You do not draw yourself to God. God draws you to himself. And if you think you do, then you really don't understand the depth of your depravity. God the Father has drawn these disciples to Jesus. And if you have saving faith in Jesus today, he has done the same with you. He does. He has drawn you to Jesus out of love, kindness, grace, and mercy. You're not a Christian because of your own merit. Do I need to pick it up? Okay, I guess I'll pick it up. It's not because you were born in a Christian home. Now, some of you kids, if you if you were raised in a Christian home or been raised in a Christian home, that's wonderful. That's great. But that does not make you a Christian. That does not make you a Christian. You don't get in because of your parents' faith or your grandparents' faith. You got to have your own walk with Christ. It's not because you go to church every Sunday and Wednesday or every day like loud. It's not because you're, you live in the Bible Belt. It's not because you're a good American citizen who, or, who, who professes one nation under God, but you don't live that way. It's not because you love and serve the least of these. It's not because you fight for social justice in America. You are a Christian because God chose you. He chose you, and the Holy Spirit regenerated your sinful heart. He changed your heart so that you could receive Christ and save in faith. That's why you're a Christian. That's why. Because of God's initiative. He always takes the first step. And if he doesn't take the first step towards you, then you will still be lost. When the Spirit regenerates your heart, then you say yes to Jesus. Then you accept him and receive him and depend upon him. His life and his death and his resurrection. This is all our hope and peace, right? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all our righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that blood will never lose its power. Your blood ain't good enough. Your good works ain't good enough. Your money ain't good enough. Your service ain't good enough. My preaching ain't good enough. My shepherding ain't good enough. Your church attendance ain't good enough. Your parenting ain't good enough. Being a good spouse ain't good enough. Being an American ain't good enough. Being an evangelical ain't good enough. Being a Presbyterian ain't good enough. It ain't good enough. Having Reformed theology isn't good enough. None of that's good enough. Being in Christian ministry ain't good enough. That's not what God going to ask you when you get to heaven. Oh, so you, were, you, were, you did. You were a pastor? Well, come on in. You a missionary? Oh, yeah, you, you got a seat up here. The only question he's going to want to know is, did you know my son? And does my son know you? What's your answer? What's your answer? And as a Christian, once you become a Christian, once you receive Jesus, something supernatural happens to you. You, you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, who guarantees your inheritance until you acquire possession of it. And that is the praise of God's glory. So on this side of glory, in the already not yet, 
The spirit is the one who leads all Christians to understand the truths of Scripture. You think I understand the Bible just because I went to seminary? Just because I got an MD? You, you think that is the reason why I understand Scripture? If that's the only reason why, then that, that, that's totally man-centered. Totally man-centered. The Spirit has to work. No, you know all, all these men, all these people who wrote commentaries and and books on the Bible. Do you think they have that insight just because of, of them? The Spirit has to give insight into Scripture. He's not on the C team. You need the Holy Spirit. He gives Christians deeper insights into the Bible. He even empowers Christians to, to live out our responsibility to cultivate a healthy walk with Jesus. Did you know that, that once God saves you, you have also a responsibility to walk with him? That's your responsibility, to walk with him. Now, you walk with him in grace, but you have responsibility to pray, to read the scriptures, to be in the communion with other believers. The Spirit is one who empowers you to grow in faith. He's the one that helps us apply Scripture to every area of our life. He's the one who helps us grow closer to the heart of the Father. Don't you realize that you can love Jesus back now? You don't have to wait till you die to go to heaven to love him. Now, this love would be imperfect, but you can love him now. Because you are at peace with God. And you can love the Father back. And there's never a moment where the Father doesn't smile upon you. Even when he's disciplining you, he smiles and and it's done in grace. Because it's done in love. Some of us don't even understand the privilege or the position of privilege that we're in. Christians do have privilege. And we walk in it daily. But when we don't share with other people, we were, we're holding on the privilege to ourselves. You should want other people to experience that privilege of the Father's love and acceptance. That's why we share it. In the spirit, we can grow in grace. In the spirit, we can grow in our understanding. In the spirit, we can have an abundance in this lifetime right now. A principle that Jesus gives, a principle that Christ gives in verse 12, communicates this, the point I've just made. He says, For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The principle is an encouragement to to the original disciples and to you if you have faith in Christ. But it's a warning to people who have not received Jesus. It's a warning to people who are partial with him. See, in the Bible Belt, you have to unconvert people here to convert them. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Because everybody who is, who is in the Bible Belt believes they are Christians. They believe it. So you have to convince them that they're not before, so they can become one. Because their view of Christianity is morality. Because I'm a good person. There was only one good person. Whoever walks the face of this earth and we are not him. That is Jesus. See, the one who has not 
is a person who, who has not truly received and responded to Jesus in a true commitment of faith. The person has a, a partial receptivity of Jesus. Those who are moral and, and are good citizens and, 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 and place all AAs in their own morality, they have a partial understanding of Christ, but it's not full understanding. They don't have a full knowledge of who Jesus is. And so th- th- what they have can easily be taken away because they still have an unbelieving heart. Such a heart is unregenerate, still lost. But what do you mean by unregenerate, Pastor Alex? That's the type of heart that is stuck in unbelief. That's the type of heart that is stuck in a state of sin and misery. This is the type of heart that sees but sees nothing. It hears, but it actually hears nothing. The crowd of people that Jesus is on, that Jesus is talking to here on the beach, many of them are in this state. They see but not feel. They hear but do not yield. Look at verse 13. This is, this is what Christ says to the disciples. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. The spiritual condition for the crowds of people in this passage actually fulfills a, a prophecy spoken by Isaiah centuries ago. The prophecy says, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For the people's hearts have grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. At least they come, at least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I will heal them. The parable, saints and guests, that Christ preaches from this boat illustrates the various spiritual conditions of people standing on the beach listening to him. And for you. And for us. The parable is descriptive. It shows what it looks like to to see and not see, to hear and not truly hear and not understand. It illustrates how a person who who has not even loses the little that he does have. It even illustrates how the one who has will also be given more in abundance. Jesus uses the parable, uses a sower, uses a farmer, sowing seed in his parable to communicate his point. And the people listening can at least relate to the farmer, okay, because many of them are farmers, or they at least work on the farm. So they can relate to a farmer sowing seed and and hoping for a plentiful harvest and and rejoicing when the harvest is in abundance. And they can relate to a farmer who who sometimes uh, watch with sorrow as his potential great harvest withers away. They can relate to the ups and downs of farming. They can relate to the agricultural components of the parable, even if they don't fully understand the spiritual truth that Jesus is communicating to them. So remember that parable, saints. Remember. Remember. The sower goes out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path. The birds came and devoured it. Others fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprung up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched since they had no root. They withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. 
as a farm as a farmer scatters seeds, so the word of the kingdom goes out into the harvest. It goes out into the world. The seed, the seed is sown in and falls on different four kinds of places. And I call these places the four heartbeats. Minus Eddie Kane Jr. The four heartbeats represent the crowd of people standing on the beach. They represent the, the 12 disciples. They, they represent all of you. And each heartbeat has a, a different level of receptivity to the word of Jesus, to the word of the kingdom. And Christ's explanation of the parable makes this clear. You see, the three heartbeats, you see, three of the heartbeats have received him partially. And one heartbeat fully. Three heartbeats have a partial receptivity. One heartbeat is receptivity is full. Three heartbeats have a partial understanding of the words of the kingdom and a partial commitment to Jesus. And one heartbeat understands and commitment is real, the real deal. Three heartbeats are unregenerate. One heartbeat is regenerate. The first heartbeat is described as a path or as the message Bible says, the sideways. The seed of the word falls uh, here, remains on the surface. It can't take root. The person here hears the word of the kingdom, but it's like water off a duck's back, sand in the person's hands. The word can't take root in the person's heart here. Such a heart is unregenerate. The word sown in this type of heart is eventually snatched away by the evil one who, abs- who actively works against the gospel spreading in the world. In verses 3 and 4, Christ says, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path. Birds came and devoured them. And Christ explains this in verses 18 and 19. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When someone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes, snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Do you see what's happening here? Spiritual warfare is real. There's a, there's a spiritual component to, to those who are unbelievers as, they, as, you, as you share the gospel with them and they don't understand it. There are forces working against them to prevent them from understanding it. There's a reality going on that we really don't see, but it's real. That is the first heartbeat. It is stuck. It is lost in a state of sin and misery. And the evil one works to keep the person there. Snatches away all your attempts to share the gospel with the person. So that's why you have to, when you're sharing your gospel with other people, you have to do that prayerfully. Because, again, the person in front of you ain't your enemy. You're praying, you're praying against the one who's working behind the scenes who's trying to prevent that person from understanding the truth of Scripture. Pray the enemy out. Pray him out. The second heartbeat is described as rocky ground or gravel that doesn't have much soil. The seed of the word that falls on the second heartbeat, it tries to take root. It tries to take root. It tries to grow. The seed even springs up quickly. This is a person who hears the word, and immediately receives it with great joy. The person experiences some level of spiritual awakening and understanding. It's a partial experience, okay? And the response 
Now, I believe the response is, is it's a quick response because the response is either only emotional or only intellectual or a combination of both. Because people do have intellectual conversions and emotional conversions, but those are not real. Because we know emotions are like waves in the sea. They're up and they're down. And you can only, and your and intellectual conversion does not lead you to a place of repentance. It just, you just know a lot of stuff. But it doesn't change this. So this is, a, this is the one who responds quickly to the word. And the response doesn't take root in the person's heart because the second heartbeat is also unregenerate. There's no depth of soul in an unregenerate heart. This individual only appears to be a Christian. They talk the language. They know the Bible stories. They only appear to be a son of God. But when suffering and hardship comes, their partial commitment shows his true color. He'll eventually live up believing what he wants to receive with great joy. He won't persevere. Look at verses 20 and, 20, 20 and 21. Jesus says, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. But endures for a while. And when tribulations and persecutions, persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Notice that. He received it quickly and he turns away quickly because the commitment isn't real. It's superficial. It's superficial. Again, are you a one? Are you heartbeat one? Are you a second heartbeat? Where are you? The third heartbeat is described, so described as thorns. The soil here is filled with weeds that, that grow up and choke the seed that is sown and that falls on the third heartbeat. And the third heartbeat is a person who's double-minded, a, a person with divided loyalties, a person who, who wants her cake and to eat it too. The, this person hears the word, partially accepts it, but the temptations of life proves it unfruitful. Proves it unfruitful. She gets lost in the weeds of anxiety about her life. What does Christ say? The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. That's what he says. The person gets lost in that. And those are the things that takes the person away from the word that was trying to grow. But the weeds choke it out. It chokes it out because this person's heart is still unregenerate. It's not truly committed to Jesus and saving faith. And finally, there's the fourth heartbeat. It's described as good soil. The seed of the word that falls here produces a great harvest. The seed blossoms in the good soil of the fourth heartbeat because the fourth heartbeat is regenerate. The Holy Spirit has, has given life to this person's dead heart. Because you cannot read this parable and think, man, I got to make my heart this way. That's not the point. There's something happening in, or in this person that allows this person to receive it. And something is happening in the hearts of the three heartbeats that, 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 so they can't receive it. Something is happening. This person, the fourth heartbeat, is no longer spiritually dead. Their regenerate heart responds in faith to the effectual call of the Holy Spirit. It hears the word of the kingdom. 
truly understands it, truly receives it in faith, and truly trusts and submits to Jesus. The fourth heartbeat isn't partial. It's fully committed to Jesus, and it does bear fruit. Look at verse 23. And so what was sown on good soil? This is the one who hears the word and understands it. That's understands it in faith, not just emotional and, and intellectually. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another 60, and another 30. And here's the thing. You can't get jealous if you're the 30. That's not the point. The point is we ain't all going to produce the same fruit, but we all got the same Savior. Let me put a, a little bug in your ear here. I don't know if you I don't know if you've ever seen this as you've read this parable before, but but this the, the spirit revealed this to me. You see, the fourth heartbeat it has the same experiences as the other three heartbeats. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? Well, good question. I'm gonna tell you. The fourth heartbeat experiences the attacks from the enemy as well. It's called spiritual warfare, but it perseveres through the attacks. Because his faith in Jesus is real. The fourth is a, this, all right. The fourth heartbeat does experience spiritual warfare. Ephesians six, the same thing that the first heartbeat experiences. The fourth heartbeat will experience. The enemy will come for your head. He will come for your family. He will come for your joy. He will come to steal your assurance of faith. He will come and sow seeds of dissension in you. But because of faith in Christ, you persevere through the attacks. You will experience that as a Christian. The enemy will come. He will tempt you. Spiritual warfare is real. But it's your faith in Christ. It's it's your Savior who allows you to persevere. It's the Spirit who allows you to persevere through the attacks. Some of you are in the the spiritual warfare now. The enemy is on your back. And how do you know you're going to get through it? Psalm 23, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff is with me. So as a forced heartbeat, you're not navigating the attacks of the enemy as an orphan or as an atheist. You go, you're navigating knowing I got somebody on my side. The enemy is working, but Jesus is working too. For greater is he is who is in me than he who is in the world. The spirit is in you. The same spirit that come at Pentecost it, it lives in you. So you can persevere. Ask for help. Throw yourself on the mercy seat. And ask for help in your time of need. You, being a Christian does not shelter you from the attacks of the enemy. It makes you a target. And, and another thing, when... When farmers plant grain, you don't ever see one grain by itself. You see a bunch of them. That's community of saints. So sometimes you persevere through spiritual warfare by being with other Christians. You were not planted in a field by yourself. You were planted within a community. 
And when you're not part of that community, then there's something about Jesus you don't understand. And some of you have used COVID as, a, as an excuse not to be part of it. And shame on you if you're doing that. The fourth heartbeat experiences suffering and hardships. But it perseveres through the suffering and hardships. Why? Because it knows Jesus is real. Listen, the second heartbeat, the second heartbeat, when he heard, when he heard the gospel, he had a sunny, he had a Christian camp experience. Man, I love Jesus. Oh, when I get back home, I'm going to be involved in youth ministry. I'm going to serve. I'm going to be an usher. And he does for a while. But three months later, he back to his old ways because it was not real. When you are a fourth heartbeat, when you have made a, a true commitment to Jesus Christ, you will experience hardships and suffering. It will come your way. You will experience. It will make you cry. You will grieve. You will feel in despair. But you're not destroyed. You can persevere because of who you believe in, because of who you call father, because of the one who calls you son. No, sorry, but the one who calls you beloved son and beloved daughter. That's why you can persevere. So if you think you're going to become a Christian and Jesus is going to give you a get out of suffering free card, then you are sadly going to be disappointed. What he gives you is, I'll be with you, Carl. But keep your chin up. Keep your head up. You can get through it. Again, not alone, but in community. In the harvest of other believers. The fourth heartbeat also experiences the weeds of temptation. Who's never tempted with the anxieties of life? I'm not talking about an anxiety disorder. Because some people who have that need to be on medication for that, because that is a disorder. What I'm talking about is you worrying about your life constantly, constantly, your finances, or your how, how well you're doing spiritually, or, or you just consumed with worry. Those are weeds, and you will be tempted with that. But the weeds does not have to control you. You can persevere through the weeds. Because of Jesus. Will you be tempted with the with the with the deceitfulness of riches? Yeah. We're all tempted with wealth. We're all listen, we, we live in the in the richest country in the world. And you if you tell me you're you're not ever tempted with it, you are a lie. You are lying to me and you're lying to yourself. You're t- you're tempted with the deceitfulness of riches. Now we might not I might not preach a prosperity gospel, but many of us live one. I ain't got to preach it for you to live a lifestyle of it. So we will have those temptations, but we don't have to give in to them. We don't have to live with divided loyalty because of who we believe in. And that's why faith and repentance. When the Spirit convicts you of you worrying about your life, as we already speaks about this in Matthew 6, worrying about your life. Who worrying about their life can add anything to it? None of us. You just stress yourself out so you can give it to Jesus. What consumes you with worry today? What about your finances are you afraid of about today? If God feeds the birds of the sky, 
Will he not provide for you? Will he not provide for you? Who? So you got a lot of credit card debt. It doesn't have to own you. Okay? So you, you have these other words. They don't have to own you. Trust him. He'll give you what you need. Now, if you have, again, if you have an anxiety disorder, you need to go see a therapist and maybe you need to get on some medication. Because what I'm saying ain't going to help you. You have something else going on that you need help with. So don't leave here saying, Pastor Alex said, no, I didn't. I'm talking about this normal day worries that can consume people. I'm not talking about a mental health issue. Union with Christ is real. Do you know what that means? The fourth heartbeat is in union with Christ. Do you know what that means? You and Jesus are like this. Everything you need, everything you're ever going to need, he's going to provide. Now, it might not come in the way you want it to come. That may all, That's probably always the case. But he will come. He will come. So what kind of heartbeat are you today? One, two, three, four. Jesus wants you to be a fourth heartbeat. And his hands are extending out to you to save you from your sins and to save you from the wrath of God. Or if you already are a believer and you already have faith in him, his hands continue to extend out to you to comfort and to shepherd you through this valley of the shadow of death. Isaiah 55 says, come, everyone who thirsts. In the Hebrew, that means everyone. Come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me. Eat what is good. And delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear. Come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Come to the way, saints. Come to the way. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have given us wine and milk without money, without price. All because the price you paid on Calvary for us. And so my prayer for us today and going into this new week that we will step out with a great assurance of who you are for us. Those of us here who are at fourth heartbeat, I pray that we will know that whatever the enemy has planned for us, the Spirit is there to help us get through it so we can have confidence. For those of us who are fourth heartbeat, whatever sufferings we may experience this week, hardships may come our way. Though we will cry, we may grieve, we may weep, we can get through it. Because Yahweh Elohim is our Father and our Shepherd. For those of us who are fourth heartbeat, you know, the temptations that, that await us this week, they're going to come. Worries will come. Worries about finances will come. But they don't have to consume us. And eat away at our souls. We can persevere through them. Because our Father is our provider. 
He gives us our daily bread, and he will come to fight for us. So as we go out again, be with us, sustain us, watch over us. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Please stand, beloved saints, for the Lord's benediction. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory, dominion forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Please greet one another with an elbow bump.